Welcome to the OME Talks podcast. I'm your host, David Petro. This episode is a bonus episode featuring our speakers from this season, David Costello, Laura Ginny Newman, Andrew Allen, Kirsten Dick, and Mike Jacobs. Today, we're going to hear from them all one more time as they talk about one more thing. That is, think back to when you were a student. Is there something that you do now as a teacher that you learned from one of your teachers? Or the flip side, something that you absolutely don't do that one of your teachers did. So let's start with a couple of our speakers who talked about something they absolutely don't do. And we're going to begin with Kirsten Dick. Well, I was trying to think about what are some things that I really remember. And I think like many people of my vintage, (laughs) that those timed Mad Minutes math tests were, uh, they showed up all the time. And when I think about my early teaching career, I would like to apologize to all of those students because I didn't know any better. And I was very successful at those. I memorized my math facts and I could do great on those mad minutes. And, um, but that is not something that I use any longer. And so that would be one thing that I experienced as a student, used the first couple of years teaching and no longer use because I find that it is not the best use of my time. It is not good for students. And there's no way that it helps with the math math anxiety and anxiousness that is created when students walk through my door the first time anyway. That is not the kind of community I want to have in my classroom. So they are no longer a part of my math practice. As soon as you posed that question, I had a flashback to being in grades one through six. And I can remember being given a sheet of questions, cold questions that were based on fact learning. And we were given, we uh, we were told you were going to have two uh, minutes to solve these and try your best to um, get these done. And they were a time test. And the stress of going through those, I can remember my um, hand shaking with the pencil in it because you because you knew, A, it was a competition and that you were going to be judged on how many problems you did and if that meant you understand math. And I should have started by saying, I definitely don't do time tests in the classroom. But that was one of the experiences that I take because I've come to appreciate math is not about speed. Math is about understanding and thinking. And instead of going over many, many problems or questions, I think we can slow down and take our time and really delve into a question to to focus on our thinking and to build the discourse in the class. So time test would be one of the things that I can remember as a student that I definitely don't bring to the classroom. That was David Casello. And before that, Kirsten Dick, both talking about how they do not use time tests in their practice today. Next up, we're going to hear from two speakers who had something that they do and something they don't do. And we'll hear from Mike Jacobs first. So I, w- I was thinking about this. I was, I was blessed throughout my, my school uh, life. I had uh, wonderful math teachers all the way through. And that there are a couple in particular who, who did some activities with me, which have uh, just stayed with me forever. So one was when I was about six years old and uh, her name was Sister Yvonne and she, she was a lovely, lovely teacher. And she got me working with Cuisinaire rods. Uh, she got all of us working with Cuisinaire rods and we had our little trays with our little wooden locks, all different colours. 
and uh, it was we're going to have fun with ten. So we put our ten block down, and it was like right, find two blocks which make ten. You know, so we did that. So I always started with an eight and two, and then you do a five and a five, and then whatever, and then. This was an activity which we'd spend like I don't know maybe ten minutes on I don't know maybe a couple of times a week, but I I'm convinced that an activity like that or later on she would have said now find two two note blocks which add up to give nine I'm convinced that helped me develop really good number sense that I can take numbers apart in different ways and put them back together again so ten could be eight and two or six and four or five and five. And that's, that's a real powerful component, I think, of number sense. So Sister Yvonne uh, did some fantastic work there. And then in high school, I was lucky. I had a, a wonderful Polish math teacher called Mrs. Gumiena. And, and she was just excited about everything to do with math. And I remember when we were learning algebra, our first lesson, she said, I'm so excited for you today because you, you're going to learn how to solve equations. This is a real big, important day for you. And how could you not get excited about solving equations when your teacher was getting excited for you as well? And I remember when she was teaching us calculus for the first time a couple of years later, she she said, can you tell me the slope of, of this line? And, and it was a straight line. And she said, oh, yeah, it's like four or three quarters or whatever it was. And she goes, what about the slope of this parabola? And we kind of gave her a funny look. And she goes, yeah, it's not as easy, is it? And she moved a ruler around the parabola to create this kind of mobile tangent she goes well if i told you that the, the the slope of this graph is the slope of this tangent what can you say and we kind of thought oh well, it's, it, it it changes all the time she goes yeah guess what it's exciting for you today because you're going to learn how to get the slope of this parabola at any particular point and she just this wonderful concrete hook to get us you know really excited about wow this with this is what we're going to learn this is really cool and is I, I sometimes I, I can always hear her voice in a different accent maybe when I'm introducing an activity to, to students as well. So I, I hope I have the same sort of enthusiasm as as uh, she as she did when she was teaching. I, I did have another teacher as well who taught calculus and, and she was very, very good, but there's one thing that she did that I, I wouldn't repeat. And it's is it is in a specific case as well when we were learning about uh, e. And so we were learning about e to the exponent x and the derivatives of that. And her, her introduction to e was e is just a number. It's just a bit like pi. It goes on forever. And so if you do e to the exponent x and you do the derivative of e to the exponent x, it's just e to the exponent x. And I was like, oh, okay, well, that's not very exciting. But I never really understood the power of e or its importance in math or, or why the derivative of e to the exponent x is e to the exponent x as well. And I felt that in many ways kind of hamstrung me for my mathematical understanding, especially when, in, when I went to university, because I didn't really have a, a deep enough understanding of a, you know, its, it's importance, you know, as the exponential constant and, and other sorts of things. So it's, it's one of the things when I've done lessons on this, I really want to, you know, get kids to understand, you know, what E is, why it's such a special number, how we can you know, see its connection to uh, compound interest, how we can see its connection to 1 over 0 factorial plus 1 over 1 factorial plus 1 over 2 factorial, how it's connected to sine and cosine and all these wonderful things. And so I, I hope that I don't just give them, oh, it's just 2.713 or whatever, whatever it is. I hope they get a much deeper appreciation of it. And when, when I think about those particular experiences, David, it, it kind of ties in is that 
what, what I had with Sister Ivana and Mrs. Gumieno, they had this real understanding. They might not have said it in this way, but they had this real understanding that, yeah, Matt, you, you start learning concretely. So this, they, they got me on this concrete, diagrammatic, symbolic, like, continuum of understanding math. Whereas just telling me that E is 2.71 is just, oh, it's, it's, it's more symbolic. You just need to learn it. You don't need to understand why. So I hope I'm more of a, reflect more of this kind of concrete, diagrammatic, symbolic approach that uh, my first two teachers gave me. I'm going to speak to both. So I remember one of my teachers, <laughs> one of my favorite teachers of all time, believing in me and him being very excited every day came in and we couldn't wait to hear what he was going to talk. He was going to talk about and being excited. And he was humorous and quite insightful. So he was very competent. And, and so we knew what we were, were were learning was was going to benefit us. He opened our eyes to see in math in very different ways every time. And he again, he wanted us to understand concepts rather than memorizing. memorizing sorry procedure so he was focused on concepts and that and that's when it rang through to me when i was going oh that's why we do that oh that makes sense i, I remember high school calculus <laughs> grade nine where our teacher would just write uh write out solving an equation on the board with just symbols and went on and on for 15 minutes and just kind of going to and he was doing his own thing while we were looking around at each other going, what is he talking about? So we we're, were confused. So it didn't make sense to us. So later on, when I had that teacher that made all the connections, because when I realized, oh, this is what this other teacher was talking about. But um, sitting through all those calculus classes, although I got to say I was a good student in those days because I could memorize in a short term and just regurgitate to produce um, whatever I memorized and just follow procedures, but I didn't understand what I was doing at all. And just remember being frustrated because it didn't make sense. And I was just seeing math as a necessary evil because I wanted to get, gain access to getting into a, a prestigious university program. That was Andrew Allen, and before that, Mike Jacobs, who both gave us something that they do and don't do that they learn from their old childhood teachers. Finally, our last speaker, Laura Jeannie Newman, will tell us the one thing that she does that she learned when she was a student. I actually love sharing this story, and I have shared it with many math educators that I've worked with. But the experience myself as a math student that has shaped me the most and how I think about how math has to be taught actually takes me way back to grade three. And it's interesting because there's a great deal of research that suggests grade three is a pivotal year in determining whether a child will take to math learning positively or not. And so my experience fortunately shaped me in a positive way and made me very passionate about mathematics. And what happened in grade three was and I hate to admit this, but I was one of those students that found math terribly boring. In every math class, the teacher, as you know, as year many years ago, this would happen. The teacher would show and tell how to do the math they wanted to do, whether it was addition, subtraction, you know, whatever it is that they were focusing in on. And then they would give out math worksheets to complete. And the students were essentially to replicate the process. 
And coming from a very strict family background, what I learned very quickly in life was taking the path of least resistance eventually got me what I wanted. So I learned that if I do what my parents and my teacher tells me to do and do it very quickly, then after that, they'll allow me to go do what I really want to do. (laughs) And so this happened in my grade three math classroom. I learned that it I could very quickly go through those math math worksheets, then my math teacher was going to let me do whatever I wanted to do. And it was really quite funny because I see now as an adult and as an educator and someone who was you know, a teacher, a math teacher, I can see now and understand now why my teacher responded in the way that she did, because she probably saw me as a potential behavioral management issue. She probably noticed that when I was done, I'd stare out the window, I'd chat with my friends, I'd ask if I'd go to the washroom and roam the hallways and see if there was anybody else I could bump into to chat to. So there was anything that I could do to get away with doing, you know, some more of those boring math worksheets. I just didn't want to do them. I didn't enjoy them. So my teacher decided that she would send me to something she called the thinking corner of the classroom. And that's where I actually found my passion for mathematics. That's where I found books that offered me complex math problems to solve, that asked me questions that were designed to guide my thinking. Much like, I don't know if you've seen them before, but the Japanese textbooks tend to do this. And what they do is they have these little kind of bubble heads that share different ways of solving the problem that you're exploring, and and they ask you guiding questions. So I found this really intriguing and really exciting. And I found it intriguing and exciting because I had to figure out how to think through solving the problem. No one was there to tell me what to do. Um, No one gave me the answer. There was just these little bubble heads that would anticipate what and how I needed to think about how to solve the problem. And they invited me to do it, to do it in my own way, to do that thinking in the form of these empowering questions. And it's really interesting because that experience shaped me so deeply. It it did a number of different things. One is it taught me that mathematics can be so exciting. It can be so interesting. It can be a creative subject. It can be a critically thoughtful subject. And so I immediately developed the passion for it, a deep love for the subject area. It also taught me the importance of how to learn mathematics. And so I carried that with me for years and years and years. And I have to tell you, it was the foundation of my success. I mean, I found when I went to in high school, I found high school, you know, very easy because not because I had memorized a whole bunch of information, but because I knew how to reason my way through things. I found myself easily being successful at the university level for that same reason. So when I worked on teaching mathematics, I tried doing the same type of thing. I I tried to, as I said, build both the motivation, the will and the capacity in my students to be able to learn math well. And so now I ask these types of questions. These, These are the questions I referred to earlier on, David. These are the questions that I now call reasoning focused questions. And so I use these questions with my own students, which I found really enlightening because I found that my academic students really struggled with it because they had gotten used to being successful based on just memorizing a series of facts and a body of information. And my, you know, locally in the locally developed classroom or in the applied, you know, with my class in the applied classrooms, 
my students loved this because they had the same feeling I had when I was in grade three. And so I use this in my classroom. And now I use this to help teachers, guide teachers around the world on how to frame these questions for their students. And the excitement that I've seen when they do this with their students is, is again, really quite invigorating. So I'm really excited about doing this workshop and talking to teachers about how to frame these questions and what these questions should be framed about and what we should focus in on and really about the what and how and a little bit on the why and whom should be doing the assessing. So I'm really excited about sharing my learning from that experience with others. That was Laura Jeannie Newman telling us about the thing that she does that she learned from her teacher to wrap up our bonus episode for this season. And that pretty much does it for us until September as well. Now, we will have probably another episode of Cody in the Classroom in between now and then. But stay tuned for next season where we will feature speakers from the upcoming OME 2023 conference. And until then, stay safe.